praise God, learning to have heaven in our homes. And this is number four on heaven in the home. Hallelujah. And you that aren't married, y'all are getting a, a revelation before. If we could have only had a revelation before we started. Amen. So if you're not married, well, there's something for you here. Hallelujah. Praise God. And uh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> praise the Lord. Well, let's pray. Father, we praise you tonight. We thank you for revelation from your word. We thank you, Father, your word is a lamp, unto, a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. We thank you, Father, the entrance of your word brings light. And Father, we thank you that your word and the anointing on it changes the circumstances of our lives and if we believe it. And so we are believers of your word tonight, God. And we receive your word. And Father, we thank you that your word comes in and the power to make changes that need to be made and adjustments that need to be made are in the word as it goes forth and is spoken. And we expect to be different and changed as we have revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, how many of you know God's way is right? Amen. If you ever wondered, am I right or is God right? How many of you know He's right? Hallelujah. I mean, sometimes we're tempted to think when we read the Bible, that can't be, but God's way is the right way. He's always right. Amen. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 21. Now, I will tell you this. I am teaching heaven in the home from the perspective that your home probably needs some fine-tuning. You're probably not having all the heaven in your home that you want to have, that you would like to have. And I'm teaching it from that perspective. But I'm not trying to give uh, answers at this point in this teaching to people who are in terrible marriages, dysfunctional marriages where there is domestic violence and, and abuse of every kind and uh, uh, alcoholism, and pornography, and drug addiction. I'm not trying to give you answers for those kind of homes tonight. Now, we can do that. Those things are in the Word, and we can teach on that sometime. But I just wanted to tell you before anybody said, you know, well, I don't know if that'll work in my house because, you know, I'm not telling you that, some, that, uh, that you can do these things in those kind of homes. Do y'all see what I mean? The Word always works, but we got to use the right part of the Word for the right situation, don't we? Yeah. Amen? But for homes that, um, that where, the, where, the, where both partners are endeavoring to follow God and where both partners want to have a godly marriage, and when both partners want the blessings of God in their home, then there's a way to get those blessings flowing in the home. Amen? There's a way to, to get prosperity and to get the life of God flowing in your home. And that's what we're teaching on. We're teaching on heaven in the home. So if you have a dysfunctional situation, well, we'll get to that another, another time, okay? You can't teach everything in one night. Deuteronomy 11, chapter, I mean, verse 21. He says that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. So God wants to, us to have, we see from this verse, multiplied days. But I don't know about you, we don't want to have multiplied miserable days, do we? No, we want to have heaven on earth. 
I need heaven on earth today. I don't. I, I, it's not good enough that God wants us he, to have to live in heaven. The rest, as, as when we uh, cease to breathe on this earth, with that we pass into a place called heaven. That's good, and I'm looking forward to that. But the Bible promises me more than that. In the New Testament, 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I desire above all things that you might prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So God desires for us to have a prosperous life, prosperous in finances, but also prosperous in relationships. Amen? And He desires us to have heaven on earth today. That Faith is now. Amen? Now faith is. Today, now, we are the sons of God. Not going to be the sons of God when we get to heaven. Now I'm a son of God. Now I am a new creation. Now I'm in the kingdom of God. Amen. The kingdom of God's not going to start when you pass over the Jordan River uh, and, and you step into glory. Amen. That's not, when, um, that's not when the kingdom of God begins in your life. The kingdom of God begins the day you were born again. You're a citizen of a new kingdom. The Bible says you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Amen? And too long, too much, we've modeled our marriages and our lives after the world system. Amen? Look to worldly people for counsel. Go to worldly counselors who don't even, wouldn't know God. Amen? Wouldn't know God if He walked down the street with a red hat on. Amen? And we seek our counsel sometimes from them and try to model our marriages after the world. But how many of you know that this is our guide and this is our marriage manual and this is where we get our answers? The answer for every one of life's situations is in this uh, book. But you know what? We have to know what is promised. If we do not know what is promised, we won't have any of it. Hallelujah. You will not have any of it. If you don't know that, that heaven's available, you won't have heaven. If you don't know that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. And you know it's there all the time for you, isn't it? Amen. You've already, it's already been bought and paid for for you. The Bible says that before the foundation of the earth, God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. But if you never receive it, did you know what? When you pass, when you take your last breath, God will have to blot your name out. And He won't send you to hell. You'll go there, though, by default. Because there's nowhere else for you to go. You, you've lost your right to citizenship in the earth because you're not breathing anymore. And, you've, and, and if you, can't, you, can't, uh, you cannot go into heaven, don't matter how good a life you've lived, doesn't matter how moral you've been, you cannot go into heaven without a recreated spirit. You've got to get rid of the Adamic nature. The way you do that, it's imparted Jesus. When, when you believe in Jesus, when you ask Him to invite Him to take over and come into your heart, in your life, he reaches, God reaches in and takes out the old nature. In an atomic second, you're a new creation. You're, you're a new being. You're a new species of being. And from that day forth, family, from that day forth, there will never be any condemnation for you. I don't care if you commit adultery. I don't care if you sleep with every woman in this town. I don't care, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you shoot up heroin three times a day. There will never be any condemnation for you. There never will be any victory on this earth either. Amen? But there won't be any condemnation. God's not worried about your sin. God is not worried about your sin. He thinks He solved the sin problem. He thinks He solved it when He sent Jesus to the cross. And you know what? He solved your marriage problems too. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So, uh, we need to expect the performing power of the Word of God. We need to believe that this stuff in here is spirit and it is life. And we need to expect it to perform in our life. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I can see that I... Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. So, we, we're, we need to walk with God. We'll never have days of heaven on earth without walking with God. Hallelujah. Like Pastor said, you can be a son of God, never get up off of your couch, never serve Him one lick. We don't get salvation by works. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Hallelujah. You don't ever have to get up off the couch, but I can tell you, you're not going to have any victory in this earth. Unless you get up off the couch. Amen. You're not going to have any reward on the other side if you don't serve Him on this side. You can't be faithful for me. Sometimes people want to be faithful for the pastor. Well, you know, Pastor and Miss Debbie need you, need us. Well, you know, we do need all of you in that we cannot do this ministry by ourselves. But in one sense, we don't need you because, you know, there won't be, there ain't nobody ever going to come or go from this church that's going to keep it from happening. Never. It'll, never. it'll never be that way. You can't serve God because I need you. You can't be faithful because I need you. Amen? You can't be faithful because of that. You can't be faithful because, well, you know what you can tell if you're doing that. Well, Pastor and Miss Debbie, I, they won't be here tonight. Well, who are you being faithful for? You know, you want to get promoted and promotion follows faithfulness, but you can't get it. That's not faithfulness when you're doing it for me. That's not faithfulness when you're doing it to be seen. That's not faithfulness when you're doing it when pastor's in town. That's not faithfulness. Now, I don't know who is here Sunday night or not. I'm not preaching on that. I am, I'm not even touching on that. I'm touching on if we want days of heaven, if we want victory, if we want promotion, it, it, you know, it takes, it's a different formula than it is for salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we, we're going to love you. We're not here condemning you. If you don't ever get up off the couch, we're going to love you. Amen. Hallelujah. We are. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so the power, to, the power to have this heaven in the home is in the Word of God. Family, it is not willpower. Thank God it's not willpower. Did you ever try your willpower out? You know your husband and you. Maybe you. Maybe he said something, and wives, you said, "Not going to say anything. Not going to say anything. Not going to say anything." I don't know about you, but I last less than two minutes. I do not have any willpower. <laughs> I do not have any willpower when it comes to keeping my mouth shut. Amen. Now I know there's some women that have willpower, but I have reasoned it out this way: Why boil inside? <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> And man, you know, it's not, none of this stuff, none of it, it doesn't matter in marriage, you know, none of this stuff is willpower. It's not willpower that we get the victory with. It's Holy Ghost power. It's the power that's on the Word of God that gives us the victory. Hallelujah. It's not my willpower. Now, I know that there's some people that have more willpower than others. Hallelujah. I don't know how they get it. But I'm just thankful that's not the criteria, aren't y'all? 
Amen. Okay, so um, it, the, the, the Holy Ghost and His power can solve every problem in your family. Now, I know that probably most of you here don't have any uh, big problems, but like we said, we're not having all the days of heaven on earth that we could have, and therefore, because our homes, if they're not right, well, we may not have all the prosperity that we've been believing for. We may not be as effective as we've wanted to. And besides all that, we shouldn't take anything for granted. I want to tell you something. Marriage is precious, and marriage is something to be very much guarded. The Bible says, take heed when you stand, you know, lest you fall. And there's been a whole lot of people that thought they had it together where marriage was concerned. I talked to a lady today, and she said she had been married 23 years when she got divorced. My parents had been married 24. I used to tell them, dear God, if you can live together that long, looks like you could make it the rest of the way. You know? But you know, marriage is something to be guarded. Marriage is something to be held in high regard. Marriage is something to be precious. I don't think any of us should go out of here and say, well, it's good enough. Let's don't work on it. I don't need heaven in the home. Well, you know, you may, if, you don't try, if you don't strive for heaven, you may get hell. You know? You really do. You might do it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, turn over to um, James chapter 1, verse 22. Now, we're talking about heaven in the home, but we're taking a little kind of different route on it tonight. James chapter 1, verse 22. James doesn't talk about marriage in exact words. You know, we're talking about the power in the Word of God to have heaven in the home. But it says, but be ye doers of the Word. If we're going to have heaven in the home, both, both the husband and the wife are going to have, be, have to be doers of the Word. If just the wife's a, a doer of the Word, we're not going to have heaven in the home. Now, if she's a doer of the Word and he's not, it's better than if both of them are not. It is a step above, isn't it? But if it's both of them's going to have to be a doer of the Word. But be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. When you're just a hearer and you don't do the Word, the Bible says you are self-deceived. Amen? So if we want heaven in the home, we got to do the Word. we got to do the Word when it feels good. You know, it goes back to that faithful this thing. we got to be faithful when it feels good. we got to be faithful when nobody's looking. we got to be faithful when it's dark and nobody will see. Amen? we got to be faithful to the Word of God. You know, one of the best things that will give you heaven in your home is just both of you, the husband and wife, having an overwhelming desire to please God. Just loving God with all your heart and soul and might, you know, that just takes care of most everything. Because when you want to please God, it just changes the way you act, doesn't it? You just can't act any old way when you want to please God, can you? It keeps me in check. I mean, even when I don't give a rip what he thinks, I still care what God thinks. And there's been times when I've been mad enough that I don't give a rip. I have. Now, I'm being honest. But you know what? Even then, I still cared what God thought. I cared what I didn't care what he thought. I didn't care what my mama thought. I didn't care what any of y'all thought. There's been times I didn't care that mad. I didn't power had gone out the window. Something in the word that made that brought me back. Now I might have acted bad. I might have yelled. I might have hollered. But you know what? It wasn't long till I came back repenting. Why? One reason. I wanted to please God. And I knew that I couldn't walk with Him where I wanted to walk and act like that. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So if you want heaven in the home, you better get to be a good repenter. You won't have... 
Even when you want to please God, the Bible says the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen. And you know there's a devil out there. And he wants strife in your home. And you know what else? He's watched you for however old you are that many years, and he knows what ticks you off. He knows what button he can push. He knows what scares you. He knows what brings fear in your heart. Now, my mom, she used to not speak for a month or two months at a time to my dad. And it was not pleasant. I was an only child. It was, it was bad. It was not good. I didn't realize how bad it was. But when I got married, the first time, he just didn't want to talk about it. That was my button. It was, boy, I tell you. I mean... <laughs> He got, he, you know, he got mad. You know, we weren't spilled the spirit. He got mad and he jumped in the pickup. He is going to the farm. And you know what? I got in the suburban and I was right behind him. Just play. <laughs> you can drive fast in them West Texas roads. Amen. It's like, no, we're not doing it this way. Amen. Hallelujah. See, that was my button. The devil knows how to punch your button. He knows what will make you mad. Amen. One thing that'd be good for you to discover is if you'd figure it out. You know, the devil knows us better than we know ourselves sometimes. You know, you need to figure out what it is that'll make you mad, and then when you see when it comes, you can go, okay, thoughts are. Amen. The word. Now every home is different, and the Holy Ghost has a plan for your home. You can't do what I do. My home is different than yours. My husband's different than yours. You know, we, we hardly have any kids at home at all anymore. We got Eric there, but he's just a token or something. I mean, he, he just passes through. He's self-sufficient. He's just using one of our bedrooms. If I cook, it's fine. If I don't, he eats. You know? Hallelujah. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I do his laundry just because it's easier to throw his in with mine. But, you know, I just practically don't have any kids at home. Well, you know, my home's different than some of yours. Hallelujah. I'm even doing things different than I used to do them. When I had two little kids at home, I did things different. And you know, my husband, he allows me certain privileges. Your husband may not. You have, there's a Holy Ghost plan for every home. But there's some foundational things that are the same in every home. There's a framework in the Word of God. The Word of God gives us a framework now, it's up to you to find the Holy Ghost plan. And the Holy Ghost plan for your home should be a home of peace. Your home should not be chaotic. Your home should not be trashville, chaos. Uh, you know, nastiness speaks of poverty. If you don't clean it up for any other reason, just do it to get rid of the poverty you know, filth and trash and old cars piled up and all that kind of stuff. That's what, that's what poverty does, isn't it? Isn't that what poverty does? And rags laying over in the corner and, you know, but we're not in poverty. We're prosperous people. Hallelujah. Amen. And, 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 and I don't, it's not in the Bible, but I tell you truly, it, this, I believe this is Bible. I believe God just skipped a verse. He forgot to put this in. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It really is. I mean, I know something's wrong with somebody spiritually when they don't take baths. They got a spiritual problem. People that don't take baths have a spiritual problem. 
People that don't keep themselves and smell good and, and uh, you know, even men that go unkept. I'm not talking about having a beard, but I'm talking about, you know what I mean, when they don't keep their beard and they don't, and they don't keep their hair. Uh, Michael's grandfather used to call it that long syrupy hair. When men have long syrupy hair, they got a spiritual problem. They do. They really do. And we so cleanliness is next to godliness. Now we're all different, and every home is different. But you got to find the Holy Ghost plan. You know, we you got you, you. There should be a your kids should know what to expect. It shouldn't be like, well, they don't ever know when they're going to go to bed. They don't ever know when they're going to eat. They don't ever know when anything's going to happen. No, it doesn't have to be the same as my home, but there ought to be a flow. There ought to be a flow. There ought to be some, some routine. Some, and, and yes, we need to learn to be flexible. Now, I have seen parents and families that were so inflexible that God couldn't have moved there. I mean, no, this kid has to be in the bed at 8 o'clock and, you know, not one minute after. And, you know, now that's not God either. But there ought to be a, a peace to your home. There ought to be a, a, you know what I'm saying? And it's different than my home. You can't do it like my home. Amen. But you can get a Holy Ghost plan. And you can you get the Holy Ghost plan by first having the framework that's in the Word of God. And the framework is this, we've already studied it, that every godly home has a submissive wife. And we know that submission is not the man's right to rule and lord over the wife and to say, woman, do this and woman, do that. And why did you spend so much in all of... You know, no. That's not his right, but submission is yielding. Submission is responding. Submission is agreeing. Amen? And then every godly home has a husband that loves his wife like Christ loved the church. The husband does not just have the title of head so that just, and he's not just a figurehead. He's not just got the title. When God, when he got, when you get the title, you gotta, you gotta, there's some things you gotta do. And one of the main responsibilities of the husband, and I'm telling you, husbands, this will clear up more than anything I could say to you, is to pray. You have the responsibility to pray. I can show you in the word that I know that has to be true because if you look in 1 Peter, and you just turn over a couple of, few pages, 1 Peter 3 7. In talking about husbands here, it says, Likewise ye husbands, 1 Peter 3, 7, y'all there? Likewise ye husbands, dwell with them, that's the wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not in, hindered. So, so there's a, there is an understood, it is understood that the man is to be a praying man. You'll never have heaven on earth if the husband's not a praying man. He can be saved. He can go to church every time the doors are open. He can be a faithful usher. He can, be, he can do everything. But if he's not a praying man, see, you've got to pray. You've got to guard your home from the enemy. You've got to cover your home. You're the head. You're the covering. You're covering that home. You're protecting it. You need to ask God, Lord, in my prayer life this year, let me not miss anything. See, we can see problems when the devil just plans them before they ever get there and subvert them. Amen? We're to be Holy Ghost led. And the wife, she's the helpmeet, and she helps him in that. 
She prays too and she says, you know, honey, I saw something this morning. Be sure and be praying about that. And the husband, he doesn't just forget that. He takes what she helps him with, what the pastor helps him with. He takes it and he puts it over his family. And he spends some time on a daily basis praying over his family. And because he does, the enemy is blocked out. He pleads the blood over his wife. He asks the Father to protect her. He believes God for, you know, we're to have divine immunity. Old covenant people had divine immunity from disease. Old covenant didn't know God that was in the promises. It was there for him, wasn't it? Amen. We're to have divine immunity. The husband, he's up, he's protecting. He has to get up early to do this. Amen. He does. He has to get up. He has to, you know, you say, well, I don't know how to start praying for my wife. Well, let me tell you. Start with Proverbs 31. Take Proverbs 31 and speak it over your wife. Speak that over your wife. Don't say what you see. Now, God, she is just an old slob. God, she don't never do nothing. God, if she'd just wash the dishes every once in a while. No, don't speak that over your wife. God calls things that be not as though they were. You're to be like God. And Proverbs 31 says, and this is where you start, and you speak this over her. And then after you speak Proverbs 31, you've been given a heavenly language to pray in. The Bible says when you don't know how to pray as you ought, pray in the Holy Ghost. Just say, Father, I'm lifting up my wife today. Now I plead the blood of Jesus over her. And Father, I thank you that it is well with my house. I thank you, Father God. What's that psalm that says that the, uh, the, she'll be like a fruitful vine at the sides of my house? And my children will be like olive plants round about my table. What is that psalm? Y'all are supposed to know. Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31, here's how you pray Proverbs 31. I don't want anybody not to know this. You just personalize it for your wife. You say, uh, in uh, verse 10, Father, I thank you that my wife is a virtuous woman, and her price is far above rubies. I thank you, Father, as her husband, I do safely trust in her. I do not have any need of spoil. She does me good and not evil all the days of my life. She seeks wool and flax and works willingly with her hands. Now see, the word will go to work on her. She'll get up off that couch, quit eating bonbons and watching soap operas. Yes, yeah, she will. She is like a merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She might even cook. She rises yet. She rises while it is yet night and gives meat to her household and portions to her maids. Watch it praying that. You'll have to hire a maid. Amen. She considers a field and buys it. And with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. See, she's very industrious. Amen. Goes on. She girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good. Her candle goes not out by night. That's spiritually speaking. She lays her hands to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. She stretches out her hands to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. I thank you, Lord. My wife is not afraid of snow for her household. She's not afraid of anything. See, you can personalize this and get it into today's language. Thank you, Father. My wife is not afraid of anything for our household is clothed with scarlet. You know, your household is clothed with scarlet, that scarlet blood of Jesus. Amen. So the husband, he starts there. Then he prays in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will be your guide. He will speak to you. He will show you things. You need to expect it. Amen. Okay, so he's a prayer. Uh, And so the Word of God is given to us for the well-being and the safety of our home. 
See, we're to take this word and take these promises and bring well-being and bring safety and bring blessing to our home. Amen? And you know, one of the things, if we're going to have heaven on earth, is we're going to have to... Let's pass these out, somebody. Where's me and Usher? Ah, I like them paper cuts. Um, anyway, we're going to have to have... Uh, we're going to have to walk in love, aren't we? We're going to have to walk in love. Hallelujah. Let me have one of those too. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. If we don't have enough, well, some of y'all share. Thank you, Jesus. So we take the Word of God. We take the love chapter. You know, it don't matter if you're married or not. We need to be taking this on a regular basis. See, if you were sick tonight, Kevin, if, you, if the doctors had told you you had some, you know... Uh, is it some whatever? You know what we'd tell you to do? We'd say start taking the Word. Take the Word as medicine. Start putting the Word in. Isn't that what we'd tell you to do? Well, I tell you what, we walk around going, I don't know how to walk in love. I just don't have any. You know how you do it? Same way. You take the Word on love and you put it in. And you begin to speak it over yourself. Just like you would for healing is how you put in love. Amen? So let's do this together. Let's read this out loud. Let's just get a handle on what love is like. Love in the home. Now everybody will be under conviction when we get through reading this. Ready? Read. Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end, but love goes on forever. Now let's read it out of the Amplified. Ready? Read. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily, it is not conceited, arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Praise God. So uh, the Bible teaches us there that love does not react. Wow. That would change your home, wouldn't it? Amen. React is a means to let your misdeed cause me to misbehave. How many times have we told our husband and I, our wife, I just did that because of what you did? 
Or I just said that because of what you said. Now we can do that if we want to live in the way the world lives. But if we want to live the Bible way, I can't react. I can't let your misconduct cause me to misbehave. Amen? Hallelujah. We're going on. I'll move fast. Uh, so we, we meditate on these things and we speak them over ourselves. So um, if we're doers of this Word, we can expect the, a blessing. And we can expect power, can't we? And this is one of the things that we've got to incorporate is all of these parts. We've got to get good at this stuff. It takes practice to get good at it. It takes some, oh, I missed it there, Father. It, I, I missed it there. Uh, you know, one thing I want to point out here is uh, for uh, men is uh, love does not insist. Love does not insist that she does do things. Love does not. That's what it says there. It says, it says love does not insist on its own rights. But let's just stop there. God's love in us does not insist. God never insists. Does He ever insist that anybody get saved? Does He ever insist that somebody get baptized in the Holy Ghost? Does He insist that anybody speak in tongues? Does He ever insist that anybody do anything? No. He never insists. Amen. Sometimes we need to quit insisting in the home. For, between husband and wife. Now, where the children are concerned, we don't give choices necessarily. Amen? But we're talking about a husband and wife. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Pastor said I could go as long as I wanted to tonight. I mean, he did. He turned to me and said, go as long as you want to. Hallelujah. Amen. He didn't say that. Okay, Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. I want you to know, wives, you're not a victim in this marriage. Remember, this is what you wanted. Remember? We all wanted to get married, didn't we? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, but I want to tell you, say something there about submission. Loved and adored wives submit. It is so easy to submit when you're loved and adored. Amen? Now we just read the, about the love chapter. When a, when a husband is walking in that agape love, the Bible says that love never fails. Did y'all see that? Boy, that's a powerful word for God to say, when you do this, love never fails. So then it goes on to say, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. See, adores her, even as the Lord the church, for we are the members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So we have some strong framework here, some strong guidelines to have in heaven in the home. 
So the man may say, well, how do I love like Christ loved the church? He gave himself for it. You sacrifice yourself for that woman. Most of the time, see, men have a capture and conquer mentality. You know, they conquer the road. That's why they don't want to stop when you're going on vacation. They're conquering it. You know, they don't want to stop at flea markets. You know what they always say? We'll stop on the way back. Famous last words. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because they, they have a conquer and capture mentality. And most of the time when a man conquers and captures a woman, see, most of the time he walks in agape love, many times not even knowing God. But he gives himself for her until he conquers and captures her. And then he reverts to selfishness. Most of the time. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Men, they're not admitting it, Pastor. They are. Only one is nodding his head. Only one honest man in the whole crowd. Amen. Well, unless your mind was renewed, that is what you did. You reverted. Now, you walked in agape love until you conquered, and then you captured her. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So what we need to do is we need to carry on the original fervor. Amen. And love does not require that your wife conform to you. The love does not require her to conform. But, you know, she can walk in love without conforming to you. She just needs to agree with you. You say, I don't understand. Well, uh, I don't have to ride a motorcycle because he likes to. I just need to get an agreement. Amen? Now, see, if he was insisting, you know you have to ride it. See, he would get our home in all sorts of trouble. Amen? Glory to God. So husband adores his wife. She's first in his life. He thinks like this, how can I help her? How can I assist her? Not a men have their mind on earning a living. And they've got it out of order. And so they're like, woman, I don't have time for you. I've got to earn a living. Amen? And they're just, I've got to earn a living. And so they're putting in more hours than they ought to be trying to earn a living. And the Bible says, if we'll do the Word, See, if you will do the Word, then the power of God will take over. And that comes to when you being able to make money comes in too. God's not going to be able to bless you financially like He wants to if you're not doing the Word when it comes to taking care of your wife. She needs to... You know, I told my husband one time, because when we first married, we didn't have any revelation of the Word, and he was a workaholic. And so finally, I just had about all I could stand. And I just got him down and set him down. And I just said, now, Michael, I didn't marry you uh, to, to father children. And I forget what all the lists I gave him that I didn't marry him for. I wanted a companion. Your wife don't need you to father children. My Lord, she can go to a sperm bank anymore. I mean, she really don't need you in our day, does she? Does she? I mean, it's a different day than it was even when we got married. But she don't need you for that. Most women don't even need you to earn them a living anymore. A lot of women don't. But you know what she does need? First of all, she needs your companionship. She needs your wisdom. Amen. And she needs your love. You've got to spend some time with her. Amen. And you've got to trust God enough. It goes back to trust, see. You've got to trust God enough. Now, I'm not talking about we're going to live on love. I ain't going to go to work. You know, we're just going to love all day, honey. And I'm going to forget the job. We're not talking about that. What are we talking about? Trusting God and having balance. 
You know, you're going you're gonna to lose some precious years if you're burning the candle at both ends and you're working night and day. And when you finally do get home, you are dead dog tired. I don't want a dead dog laying on my couch. Amen? I want something with some, some energy. I don't want somebody brain dead. Amen? And you know what? I, I, in, God, in God, we don't have to choose but I'd rather have less money and more husband if I had to choose. Amen? But see, when you do the Word, the power of God gets involved in your prosperity. You know those little ladies uh, that pray with Pastor Buzzy? Now they come every day, five days a week. They come at 8 o'clock in the morning and they said most of the time it takes them an hour just to get their minds settled down. You know, you got to pray an hour sometimes just to get focused. And uh, then uh, they said they said most of the time they pray till about 10, sometimes longer if it takes that. And you know, but they even, and I didn't ask them this, but just as we was going out, some of them were saying to me, said, you know, you know, when you just give that time to God, He just makes up for it. He just helps us get everything done we need to get done. He just makes up for it. You know, families, most of the church hadn't caught on to that, that if they'd just come to church, God would make up the time. I've proved it for years. Absolutely. I've never, I just never have missed to, because I had so much laundry. And we've had plenty of it. I've just never, you know, God always just makes it up. He makes up the time. Men, God makes up the time for that you give to God. You just can't pray too long. And say, oh, now I, I'm just behind all day because I prayed too long. No, you'll be ahead all day. That's why you're behind. That's why you're behind financially. You're not, you're not giving God what's His. Not just the tithe, you, but, but, the, but the time that He deserves each day. You know, God deserves for you not to come to this church service dead dog tired. So that we're pulling, the praise and worshipers are having to practically resurrect you from the dead. No, we're supposed to be in one accord, you know? Hallelujah. So, and, and you know, if you'll do be a doer of the word where your wife is concerned, I, I tell you what, I believe in God making up the money. I, first of all, I believe in Him giving me supernatural deals. You've got a choice, man. You can be, you can live under the curse. And you can try to get this by beating yourself, the sweat of your brow, toiling under the curse. Or you can say, no, I am going to be a doer of the Word of God. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of a God. I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I'm going to take time for her. And I'm going to give her quality time where I am not a dead, wrung out rat. You know what I'm talking about? And wives need to do the same thing. Listen, he, he needs something besides a limp dish rag because you are so stressed and, and uh, you're stressed because you don't pray. You can't have a daily prayer life and stay stressed long. Amen? You're exhausted at the end of the day because you didn't get up and pray before you went. I used to teach school. I had 30 kids in Christian school. And some of them had little devils. It needed casting out, but you can't cast them out when the mama and daddy are feeding them. And you know, I came home. I didn't come home exhausted every day. Why? Because God got us started getting us up. Back when Larry Lee taught us to get up at six in the morning, pray an hour. We did that for years. Got up. We still get up in the morning and pray. Now we don't always do it at six anymore. Amen. But you know, if you've got to be at school at eight o'clock, you're going to have to do some things like that. And but it changes your life. Amen. 
Oh, the wisdom of God. See, this is where this is where, this is where we're missing it. Most of us, right here in this church, in this church, this is where we're missing it. Right here is seeking first the kingdom, putting him, the word and, and prayer first, and then and then putting her first, putting the children in there. That doesn't mean you don't work hard. I, Pastor and I have a work ethic. We believe in working hard. We taught our kids to work hard. Amen. And I'm not talking about being lazy. But I'm talking about trusting God enough to be able to do the work. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay, so we gotta, we got to wind down here, looks like. But i got to finish this part because I'm right in the middle. Now, how many of you know in Psalm, uh, no, Song of Solomon, it says that there's a little foxes that spoil the vine. See, we're not talking about real big things here that, are, that, that cause us to have, keep from having heaven in the home. It's little things, amen, and God wants to show you what. Now, i got to show you this, husbands, and y- y'all will still love me after this over, won't you? Philippians 2, 7, I'm going to preach it whether you do or not, don't matter. Philippi- it's the Word, it's the Word, hallelujah. Philippians 2, 7, see, we're talking about the husband being the head. Philippians 2, 7, it says, but in this talk, and it's loving her as Christ loved the church. So you've got to act like Christ did, right? Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. See, if you're going to be Christ in the home, if you're going to be the head, you've got to be the servant in the home. See, that's where the whole world has gotten it wrong on this submission thing. Man, women are afraid of submission. If I told them, if you told them down at the office, down, go down to Regions Bank and just get over the speaker and have them announce that, the, that at our church they're teaching on submission. They think that's the nastiest word they ever heard. Submit to a man over I die first. They would. I'm not submitting to no man. That's how the women feel out in the workplace. How many of you know it? Amen. Amen. Well, you know why? Because we got it all wrong. We thought she was supposed to be the servant. No, the Bible says he's the servant. See, we got, we've got this image of some big old toad uh, sitting in a lazy boy. Woman, give me a glass of tea. Hey, don't we? Isn't that the image we have? Archie Bunker was... Uh, he warped us. <laughs> we watched it faithfully. We got really warped. <laughs> we weren't. We weren't. We were. We were saved, but that's the whole. Amen. Woman. Even Eric, when he was about four years old, said to me one day, "Woman." <laughs> I tan his little hide, calling me woman. <laughs> now we still say that sometimes, teasingly. We say Michael might say woman. Of course, you know, I get right back at him some way. But, you know, so I mean, you know, I am a woman, but it's just according to what kind of perspective, you know, that you put that in. See, we've gotten it all wrong. Isaiah 42.1. Let's look at this servant in the Bible. We're winding down. I'm not going to keep you all night, even though I have permission. Isaiah 42.1. It's summer. You're not going to bed anyway. You're not going to bed. Isaiah 42 1. And you got to invest in your marriage. Isaiah 42 1 says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. See, when you become a servant, God puts his anointing on you, he puts his power on you. 
Most men don't have the power to be the head of the home. They're dumb as a stump. And there's a wonder she don't submit. He hadn't had a revelation. And why? Because he hadn't. He, you can't get the power without taking on the form of a servant. Amen? And I've seen very much, I've seen homes, I actually have seen homes where the husband had a servant's heart towards the wife. He didn't have any revelation of why he did, but he had a servant's heart towards the wife and the home was blessed. Amen? Just having a servant's heart towards the wife. How many of you men are going to get a servant's heart towards her? Instead of expecting her to wait on you, see, you're the servant in that house. Now, I'm not advocating that she sit in a chair and that you fan her with a big, <laughs> with a big palm leaf. That's not what we're talking about. But you having a heart to serve her. Amen? You know, you could, when you get up from the table, you could pick up your plate instead of just walking in there and flopping down on the lazy boy and leaving your plate and leaving the kids' plates and leaving all the things the kids threw on the floor. You know, a servant would take his plate and grab the vacuum and clean up all the little cruddies that the kid flew in the floor. Having a servant's heart towards her. Amen. My husband is a servant in our home. He serves me coffee every morning. I mean, it's practically, I'm practically insulted if I have to boil the water or anything. You know, it's like, and, and if he's going to go ride a motorcycle, he'll put the water in the kettle and fix everything in the cup because I drink one cup of instant coffee in the morning. Now, I know that sounds weird, but I'm so used to instant that it tastes better than the real. One cup of instant decaf coffee every morning and with just the right amount of sweet and low and just the right amount of light coffee made. One cup. And he'll have it all in the cup and the water in the kettle and he'll go ride his motorcycle. All I have to do is turn the little button. But now if he's there, I don't even do that. Even if he's back in his office, I get up and I'll brush my teeth and I'll walk all the way back to his office just to let him know, get out of your office and come to the kitchen and turn that kettle on. And see, he just knows he's supposed to do that. Amen? Now, I serve him in a lot of ways too, but he has a servant's heart. Do you see what I mean? Thank you, Jesus. And it makes me want to submit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Whatever it takes to make her want to submit. Amen. So Christ was a servant. Now let's look at um, one more scripture. It's in Matthew and we'll close. i got to find the scripture though. I was going to talk to you about how to settle an argument and all that, but I don't have time tonight. Matthew 20, 27. I'm going to prove to you that you have to be the servant in the home. See, we had it all wrong, and that's why uh, uh, submission to a woman was a jagged pill. She just couldn't swallow it. See, he's just got her best interests at heart. He just loves her and adores her. Honey, anything you want that's not illegal or immoral. If she wants a red sofa and you hate red, honey, anything you want. Amen? Amen. You say, well, well, she'll spin me broke. Well, if you'll get in faith, she won't. Amen. And a godly woman would never take advantage of a man financially. Amen. A godly woman's not deceitful, doesn't sneak around, doesn't hide things from her husband. Amen. 
see, if both of you aren't endeavoring to please God, we're going to have a problem, aren't we? We're going to have a train wreck, aren't we? Yeah. Matthew twenty twenty seven. Y'all there. And we're closing with this. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. See, husbands, you the head, you the chief. You the chief at the house. What does the chief have to be? A servant. A servant. Now, she's not your maid. She's not there for sex and domestic purposes. She's there for you to adore. She's there for you to love. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, it's in women. It's God-given to respond. Women are naturally responders. They just find it comes easy for a woman to respond. So if you'll love her, if you'll be a servant in your home, she'll respond. Will she respond by biting your head off? And no, no, she'll respond in a godly way. She'll be respond. She'll respond. You got a problem, wife. If you love her with the agape God kind of love and be a servant to her, the things that are, you know, if your if your wife's a witch, I mean, she's, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about demonic. I'm talking about she's mean, meaner than a junkyard dog. You know, hurting people. She's hurt. Something's hurt somewhere. Something's broke somewhere. Right? Y'all all agree with that. See, but if you'll do these things, these, if you'll be a doer of the Word, she'll begin to open up. So God can't fix someone that's hurt if they're closed down, they got walls up, and they're not letting God in, they're not letting you in, they're not letting anybody in. But if you'll do these things, she'll open up. She'll begin to open up to God, and God will be able to fix it. God can fix anything. He can fix anything. There's not somebody been so hurt, God can't fix them. And you may not even know how she's hurt. But I tell you, prayer works, men. Prayer works, men. If she's not right in every area, if she doesn't know how to respond to you in the bedroom the right way, I mean, if she doesn't know how to respond, I mean, you, you can pray. Hallelujah. We're not getting into that tonight. But... Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you got to be the servant. You got to have a servant's heart. So, and we got to walk in love. Hallelujah! I've never seen a, a very many women that weren't more than willing to follow their husbands. Now you see men all the time. Women come to church; their husbands won't come. You see that? That's regular. Most churches got a house full of women and not very many men, don't they? We're proud of the strong men in our church. Most women will follow if their man will lead. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God's so good. God's so good. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we thank you for giving us heaven in our homes. We thank you for blessing us. We thank You, Father, for encouraging us. We thank You for strengthening us in our inner man. Father, we thank You for solutions. We thank You for Holy Ghost answers. We thank You, Father God, for the unction of the Holy Ghost to know what to do. Lord, we give You all the praise and all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've already prayed. Wait a minute.